just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Friday. We're wrapping up uh, kind of a busy week. A lot of stuff happened this past week. Joe Biden did his State of the Union address and pretty much clowned the Republicans. Jim Jordan had one of his crazy investigation hearings. It was kind of embarrassing. Jim Jordan essentially clowned himself. They're going to keep having these investigations, keep embarrassing themselves. And you would think they'd say, you know, if this isn't working, we should stop. But they won't. They'll keep doubling down and tripling down and making fools of themselves. So we might as well just sit back and enjoy the fucking entertainment. Watch the Republicans self-destruct. Now, yesterday I did two podcasts. I did my normal podcast with just me. I did it early in the morning. Um, And then I did a second podcast with Ed. I like to have Ed on from time to time. We've known each other a long time. We spent 20 plus years on the air together. So we're very comfortable in a setting where we're talking about virtually anything. In this case, obviously, um, politics. But back in the day, we talked about any number of things. Now, when I do the podcast, because most everybody who listens to the podcast are people of a like mind. I don't get too many negative comments. I'll get somebody sending me notes to give me shit, and that's okay, because I give people a lot of shit, and I expect it in return. I don't get real sensitive about shit like that. If you have a critique or a complaint or something, you're more than welcome to send it to me. I'll read it on the air. I'll address it. If it's totally wrong, I'll explain why it's wrong. If you're right, well, maybe I'll change something. I used to tell people back when I worked in radio, you had the guys in suits saying, you need to change this, you need to change that, and I would never, ever do it because they didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. But from time to time, I would get comments from listeners, and they say, you know, it would be better if you did this, or you should do that, or you should change this. And I always took that to heart because I really felt those people were my boss, not my bosses being my boss. I was doing what I was doing every day for them and not the guys in the fucking suit. So when listeners made comments to me, I took it to heart. And I might make a change if I thought it made sense. Now, on this show, I very rarely get negative comments. And even if I did, that would be fine. Actually, it might be more exciting if more people disagreed with me. But I got a note today, and I'm not going to give this person's name. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. And and I'm not even really angry about it because I think there's some confusion uh, to this note. And this person wrote, I turned you off today when Ed alleged women's opinions were not as important in Congress or the press as men. What the fuck? Personally, I like you better without Ed. You two together is like listening to two men who agree, and it's boring. Now, this person was a little triggered by something Ed said. And Ed did say that uh, the opinions or whatever in, in Congress and in the press were more important with the men than it was the women. Now, unfortunately, when he said that, I don't think this person was really listening to what he was saying. He wasn't saying that he believed that was true. He didn't say that that's what he preferred. He was saying that's unfortunately the way it is. He was kind of bemoaning the fact that white men are still controlling things and not necessarily supporting it, kind of complaining about it. So I'm sorry if you misread that, but I'll be perfectly honest with you. Even though Ed is a friend of mine and I've known him for many years, if he said something stupid like you perceived him to say, trust me, 
I would have fucking called him out. But I understood what he was saying. And um, you maybe want to go back and listen to it because I don't think he was saying what you thought he said. In fact, I know he didn't because I would have said something had that been true. Now, as far as uh, uh, I like you better without Ed, you two together is like listening to two men who agree and it's boring. Got to tell you, if you're listening to this show and you're bored by it, don't listen to it, really, honestly. I'm not, I'm not doing it to get a certain amount of listeners or anything. I started doing this on TikTok, and I had one strategy. I'm going to do what I do and let the chips fall where they may. If a lot of people listen, great. If not a lot of people listen, that's fine. I'm just going to do what I do. I'm not going to try to fabricate a persona or try to talk on certain topics just to garner an audience. That isn't the goal here. The goal is to do what exactly I feel and what I want to do and see what happens. And that's what I'm doing. So I think you misread Ed in what he said. I know you did. Because what he said wasn't really negative. He was more criticizing the way things are as opposed to supporting it. And as far as you not liking listening to me and Ed, well, I do a podcast every day. Typically, the podcasts with Ed are extra podcasts. So you can still listen every day and just ignore the podcast with Ed. Hopefully, that explains some things. And again, if you have some criticisms of me, by all means, send them in. I have no problem with that. Like I've said, I've been married going on 40 years in October. And in those 40 years, I've become very accustomed to criticism. (laughs) And I've learned how to take criticism. And I've learned how to hold my tongue occasionally. And that's that's unusual for me. That's especially hard for me. But uh, when it's with my wife, there's really a no-win situation there. Even when I win, I lose. So I might as well just lose up front. You know what I'm saying? All right, we do have some emails. Let's get to them. Good morning, Mike. As I'm listening to your latest podcast of Biden owning the Republicans, I fucking loved it. As you know, I'm from Utah, and I absolutely loved you talking about our dipshit Senators Romney and Lee. Thank you. These fucks are terrible, but as you always remind us, the amount of stupid people in this country is amazing. And yep, Utah is in the top 10 for sure. Love your stuff. Keep it coming. Gordon. Thank you very much, Gordon. I tend to agree with you. Mike Lee is a fucking idiot. We talked about when Joe was talking about cutting Social Security and Medicare, the Republicans wanting to do that. Mike Lee was up front looking aghast like, how dare he say that? We don't believe that. That's not true. That's a lie. And then some media guy comes along with a tape from 2010 where he said exactly that, that he wanted to cut Social Security and Medicare. In fact, he said the whole reason uh, for him to come to Washington, D.C. was to do that. That just shows you the integrity of these people. They have opinions, but they don't feel strongly enough about it to stand behind it when they're called out on it. At the very least in this country, we should expect our politicians to have the slimmest shred of integrity and credibility. But unfortunately, that's a rare commodity in Washington, D.C., amongst Republicans for sure, but even some Democrats for that matter. So, Gordon, thank you for the email. You and I are on the same page with this. Uh, Mitt Romney... (laughs) I know he's a more acceptable politician than Mike Lee or some of the other Republicans, but let's be honest. Romney voted with Donald Trump. He did a lot of things. And as I've said before, as much as the Republican Party wants you to believe that there's two factions, the MAGA folks and the normal folks, well, when you look at the way they vote, as far as I'm concerned, if Mitt Romney um, votes the way the MAGAs want him to vote, he's just as bad as MAGA. He's fucking worthless to this country. If he doesn't have the temerity to actually vote his conscience and be his own man. 
He has to go around with a crowd. And if he has to do that, he is fucking worthless to us. And speaking of worthless, here comes an email. And it's from Eric. He's not worthless. He's cool. He's written many times. He's from Tacoma. But where the worthless part comes in, he says, Mike, Marjorie Trader Green, a government official, blocked people from her official Twitter account, got sued, and had to pay $10,000 for her First Amendment violation. She has zero idea what the First Amendment means. Nobody is talking about it. Yeah, actually, I just heard about that today. I hadn't really looked into it because, frankly, Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't mean shit to me. I think she's a joke. I think she, too, is worthless. But you're right. She blocked some people on her Twitter account, and she ended up having to pay a fine of $10,000. But at the same time, and I'm sure she's pissed about that, but at the same time, you've got these clowns, you know, questioning former Twitter employees and claiming that Twitter tried to uh, (laughs) tried to take away people's First Amendment rights because some of the postings of some of the pictures from allegedly from Hunter Biden's laptop were taken down, and Joe Biden must have put pressure on them to do it. You're absolutely right about the First Amendment. Apparently, the Republicans don't understand it. The First uh, First Amendment refers to the government. The government can't censor you or take things down. But a private company can, like Twitter, like uh, Facebook, like TikTok, like the Rational Boomer podcast. If I don't like something, I can take it down. And it has nothing to do with First Amendment rights because it doesn't apply to individuals or private companies, only the government. Somehow, they failed to miss that. They didn't fail to miss it. They failed, and they missed it. And, you know, it's it's it's, it's strange what they tried to do. They tried to push it a little farther by suggesting that Joe Biden force them to take down the pictures of Hunter Biden. But here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. The pictures from the laptop apparently were Hunter Biden dick pics. And as the Twitter folks explained, well, that goes against our standard rules with Twitter. That's why they were taken down. And they, of course, said, yeah, but Joe Biden made you do it, right? And they said, no, that, that never happened. But you took them down. And they said, well, yeah, they're dick pics. They violate Twitter policy. We took them down. And then one young Democratic uh, representative took to the mic. And he was talking to the Twitter former employees. And he referenced a tweet in 2019. And he asked this Twitter uh, former employee to read it. And she said, well, you know, the language is kind of bad. I'm just doing a direct quote. It's not me. And what it was was a tweet from Chrissy Teigen, who is a celebrity. She's married to John Legend. And her tweet said, Donald Trump is a pussy-ass bitch. Now, to me, that seems accurate. Because if anybody's a pussy-ass bitch, it's certainly Donald Trump. But this butthurt Donald Trump and his administration. And they called Twitter and said, you got to take this down, which they did because it violated some policy on Twitter. But it's ironic that these people would complain about Joe Biden when he did nothing, but be perfectly content with what Donald Trump did. (laughs) Donald Trump was violating the same alleged rule that they said Joe Biden did and actually didn't. It's so typical of Republicans. They like to project. They will always accuse you of the things they're most guilty of. All right, this last email comes to somebody comes from somebody who signs Dark Sire. Now, I don't know what that means, but I'm not going to give people shit about uh, uh, handles, okay? I mean, I got the rational boomer, so I'm in no place to give people shit. But I'm I'm curious as to the meaning behind that handle, Dark Sire. Anyway, 
Darksire, presuming it's a, a man, says, Hello, Mike. Happy Friday. I'm going to be 65 this year, and then I'll retire. I think, but till then, Fridays are still exciting for me. You talk a lot about these clowns on the right and how they don't know what the First Amendment is, like Jordan saying that Twitter is not allowing them to have their First Amendment right. I believe it's all theater. He says those things so the sound bites get out to the airwaves and the stupid Trumplefucks believe it. Absolutely. It's all about the narrative. It's all about the soundbite with them. Don't get me wrong. They're dumb as a fucking rock, but some things they do real well, and gaslighting is one of them. I think all but a few are just doing the theater, except for Marjorie Taylor, piece of shit. She's completely white trash, and you can see it. I can't tell you how much I dislike her. I'm not really sure why executives from Twitter or any other company show up for these hearings. It's already been proven that our Congress are without any teeth to do anything to anybody but verbally threaten them. Then nothing. I agree. It's one thing we found out in the last six years with Donald Trump, all these rules, all these norms. There is no accountability if you break them because Donald Trump broke every one of them and he has yet to be held accountable. He says, it's very disillusioning. I thought they had rules other than saying gentleman or gentlelady and not saying their name out loud when complaining. It seems like all rules need to be changed, but as long as the people that manipulate these rules are the ones that vote for them, nothing will happen. You're absolutely right. Then he goes on to say, thanks for introducing me to Tony Michaels. I enjoy their takes on things. Thank you for all you do, Dark Sire. Well, thank you very much. And it's interesting you should reference that word, white trash. I did it in a TikTok, and I had somebody complain there, too. It was a follower, and um, I was confused by it. This person was saying, you can't use the word white trash because then it uh, suggests all people of color are trash. Where, Where the fuck did that come from? It very specifically identifies white trash and specifically excludes people of color when talking about white trash. She says you need to be more sensitive. (laughs) I said, well, you probably don't know me very well because whether you like me or not, sensitivity isn't my strong suit. I say what I think, I say what I mean, and that's it. I don't understand where they were going with this because I don't see how it references people of color at all. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't think so. I'm usually pretty careful about trying to marginalize somebody unless it happens to be old white men. I can complain about them all day because I'm one of them. And uh, I take advantage of that, uh, that option. So anyway... I don't know where they were going with it. I don't understand it. But uh, I think you know me well enough that I'm not, first of all, I'm not going to try to marginalize people of color. That would be the last thing I do. And secondly, you're right. I'm not sensitive enough. I've heard that a lot. I I mean, I am sensitive about some things, you know, my grandchildren, my kids, my family. I do have sensitivities in that regard, but at the same time, you know, when it comes to the business that I'm doing here on the Rational Boomer podcast, and I'm talking about politics, I'm going to be straightforward. I'm going to talk talk shit about the Republicans. I'm going to talk shit about white trash. I'm going to talk shit about the Democrats if they're deserving of it. So don't wait around or don't hold your breath for me to be overly sensitive because you're not going to hear it here on the Rational Boomer podcast. It's just not going to happen. I I mean, I've always said one of the big mistakes that people make when they're um, making decisions or deciding what they believe and what they think, too often people get too emotionally wrapped up in decisions. And that usually slows them down and screws them up and makes them make the wrong choice. At some point, you just have to look at logic and the facts and make your decision based on that and be decisive about it. 
you're better off being decisive and making the wrong choice than making no decision at all because then you stagnate yourself and you don't continue to move forward. As far as using the term white trash, I used it because that was in the news story and uh, I think it does best describe somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene. So, Enough said about that. We're moving through the Rational Boomer podcast and uh, some big news that happened later in the evening last night. The special counsel overseeing the Justice Department's investigation into former President Donald Trump has subpoenaed Vice President Mike Pence. Now, when we first heard that a special counsel subpoenaed Mike Pence, I think a lot of people thought it meant the classified documents that they found in his home, much like what they did to Joe Biden and Donald Trump. But that wasn't the case. This has nothing to do with the classified documents. This has everything to do with January 6th. And let's be honest, if anybody has a story to tell about January 6th, it's Mike Pence. He's the one that was talking to Donald Trump. He was the one that was being pressured by Donald Trump to do something that would be unconstitutional. Mike Pence pushed back and said, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. I don't have the authority to do it. And of course, Donald Trump got butthurt, worked up and was screaming at Mike Pence, called him a wimp, said, you're not my friend anymore. And Mike Pence should have to tell his story. Now, the January 6th committee subpoenaed Mike Pence, too, and he said, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't have to do it. I shouldn't be required to do it. Executive privilege, whatever else the fuck he was saying. But now, with Jack Smith, the special counsel for the DOJ, looking into the insurrection, that's a whole different story. He doesn't have the options to go against the Department of Justice and Jack Smith. Sure, he can try to fight it, take it to court, but this will proceed through the process much quicker. He will have to talk, just like Rudy Giuliani had to talk, just like Lindsey Graham had to talk down in Georgia. But this is the feds. This is the DOJ. And make no mistake, Mike Pence will be made to talk question is, will he tell the truth? Will he give all the information that's important to know? Because what Donald Trump said to Mike Pence might very well be illegal. And that is the whole point for the DOJ um, is doing, looking into Donald Trump and talking to Mike Pence. It's not known yet what information special counsel Jack Smith is seeking from Pence. But that said, It's got to have something to do with the phone calls and the interactions with Donald Trump. You know, the Justice Department appointed Smith in November to take over its investigation into Trump's role in January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol. He's also looking into the classified documents that were found in Mar-a-Lago. Now, The interesting thing about this is Pence pushed back about testifying in front of the January 6th committee. He he said he didn't have to do it. And for whatever reason, they didn't make him do it. I think they figured that if they took him to court like they took other people to the court, uh, that it might take a couple of years and then it would be just wasted time and what's the point. It is tragic, though, that Mike Pence chose not to speak. I mean, as a former vice president, he is a servant of the people. At the very least, he should be made to testify and tell what he knows to be the truth. As a servant of this country and all of us, he should have spoken. And he will speak to the DOJ and Jack Smith. But what's interesting is, is that over and above Um, pushing back on the January 6th committee. He still wrote a book about it. I mean, he can't talk about it uh, with the J6 committee, and he's probably going to fight about it with the DOJ. But for whatever reason, when it comes to money and not being under oath, he was more than happy to spill the beans. 
And I think therein lies the problem. What you heard in Mike Pence's book or what you read in his book was probably more smoothed over than what was really true. You get a good prosecutor talking to him, and uh, he's going to be made to give the down-and-dirty facts. And trust me, when Donald Trump is involved, there are some down-and-dirty facts. Now, Pence was famously critical of Trump's actions around the January 6th attack and dismissed his claims that Democrats had rigged the 2020 election in Biden's favor, mainly because those are the facts. Now, after Trump chastised Pence at a rally in the hours before the assault, saying he lacked courage, Trump supporters stormed the Capitol, chanting, Hang Mike Pence. (laughs) It's ironic to me that you get a president talking to a vice president, threatening him, calling him names, and then calling out the dogs and having his people go to the Capitol, the U.S. Capitol, screaming, hang Mike Pence. And not even that was enough for him to stand up and speak out and give the facts as he knows it to the J6 committee. As I said, um, He's not going to have that option with the DOJ. He might be able to delay it a bit, but he will have to speak. Now, the interesting thing is Pence has been critical of the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, saying there must have been many other ways to resolve those issues, and that showing up at Trump's Florida residence sent a wrong and divisive message to Americans. See, he's still kissing up to Donald Trump. This guy sent a a rogue crowd of people to kill you, and you're still protecting this motherfucker. I know that Mike Pence wants to run for president in 2024, and it's absolutely ridiculous. If you look at the polls, if you believe the polls, and nobody really does, but of the potential voters for a Republican to be the candidate for the Republicans in 2024, he's getting like 2%. And that doesn't, doesn't surprise me. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. No Democrat's going to vote for him. No MAGA freak is going to vote for him. Most of the conservative and the um, moderate Republicans, they want to get as far away from Donald Trump as they can. And uh, voting for Mike Pence would be contrary to that. Now, last month, the Washington Post reported that Smith's team sent subpoenas to Trump's former campaign officials asking them who was paying their legal fees. And that will be interesting. I think Donald Trump was paying a lot of uh, legal fees, mainly to maintain a certain amount of control over those people. You know that um, for a while he was paying the legal bills for Cassidy Hutchinson. And, of course, Cassidy Hutchinson got a little creeped out about it, thought it was cringy, thought it was a bad idea because she understood at that point the moment she took their money, she was on the hook to them, meaning she'd have to lie. And she wasn't willing to do that, so she fired that lawyer and got a different lawyer that wasn't connected to Trump. Now, all of these people that are still working for Trump are probably on the hook as well. And this is something Jack Smith wants to find out and know for sure because it'll have some bearing as to the uh, credibility of whatever the testimony is. So Mike Pence has a subpoena from Jack Smith. Now here's another thing to consider. No way of knowing if this is true, but if you know politics, you know there's all kinds of angles that could be being played. Mike Pence wants to run for the presidency. He's polling at about 2% among Republicans. It's not looking good for him. And he should know well enough that he has no chance to win the presidency in 2024. It's just not possible. So maybe he wants to do something to take Donald Trump down. Maybe he wants to testify against Donald Trump. But he doesn't want to look like he wants to testify against Donald Trump. Now, Mike Pence's people and the DOJ have been in uh, negotiations, so to speak, uh, about this whole testimony thing. 
Maybe Mike Pence says, I'll testify, but you've got to subpoena me, so it looks like I'm trying to avoid it. Then when you subpoena me and I go through whatever process, then it looks like you forced me to do it and I had no choice, and then Donald Trump won't sick the dogs on me again. Well, I don't know that that's true. Donald Trump will sick the dogs on anybody if he thinks it's going to help, regardless of the circumstances. But that could very well be what's happening. Pence has decided, I'm going to testify, I'm going to take that motherfucker down a notch, but I don't want to look like I'm, I'm, I'm willingly doing this, so you need to subpoena me. What's really happened here, we don't necessarily know. We probably will never know. But the bottom line is, ultimately, Mike Pence is going to testify. He should have testified willingly as a former vice president. That's, at the very least, what we can expect out of our public servants, that they're willing to step up and tell the truth when there are wrongs being done. And clearly, there are a lot of wrongs being done. And if Mike Pence has inside information, and we know he does, he should willingly and proudly give it. I mean, if he needs the FBI to protect him or whatever, so be it. But to stand back and say, yeah, I don't want to talk. I'm a little scared to talk. I'm a gutless piece of shit. I'll write it in a book when I'm not under oath and making money from it, but I won't talk to the DOJ. You have to subpoena me. You see where the problem is there? It shows that uh, this guy has no credibility. He is a coward. Uh, He is a joke. And if he thinks he's ever going to be president of the United States, he's delusional. That will not happen. There's no way Mike Pence is ever going to be elected to the presidency of the United States. All right, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So here's some fun news. Meta, better known as Facebook, has now restored former President Donald Trump's access to his Facebook and Instagram accounts after about two-year suspension, according to multiple reports. The decision allows him to broadcast his views and promote his 2024 election bid to millions of followers. Now, the company said in late January that it would reinstate his account in the coming weeks. Those coming weeks have come, and he is now reinstated. CEO Mark Zuckerberg announced on January 7, 2021, that his company would block Trump from posting after then-president encouraged his followers to mount an assault on on the U.S. Capitol over baseless lies about the 2020 election. Now, Meta did not respond to requests for comment about restoring his accounts. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are saying, oh my God, he's back on Facebook. The world is going to end. That's not true. The world is not going to end. In fact, I'm looking forward to his first Facebook post will more than likely be a picture of a plate with three Big Macs, two large fries, and a strawberry shake. (laughs) Because isn't that what we do on Facebook a lot? Take pictures of our meals? I never understood why people do that. Or they take pictures of themselves on a beach at their feet. Again, I don't know why they do that. I'm not that kind of guy. So I don't do that. But um, so Donald Trump is back on Twitter, but he hasn't posted on Twitter as yet. And the main reason he hasn't posted on Twitter is because he's got some legal hurdle with True Social. They, of course, don't want him going on Twitter and then abandoning True Social, which he will do. And um, putting that company in worse condition that it's already in. True social isn't going to last long, and Donald Trump is getting antsy. He wants to reach millions of people like he once used to. So he does want to get back on Twitter, but he can't at this moment unless something else changes. Now, I have a feeling that Facebook 
and Instagram are a different circumstance. And maybe that's why he wanted to get back on those platforms. Maybe he can do that without any legal restrictions from True Social. So I would say you should expect uh, Donald Trump at some point on Facebook and Instagram spewing his ignorant bullshit. And some people are upset about this. Oh, we can't let this happen. The world is going to end. But no, no, no. Hold up. Having Donald Trump on Facebook and Instagram is a good thing. The reason I know this is because every time you hear of something he's posted on True Social, even though he doesn't have that many followers on True Social, so he's allegedly not impacting as many people as he did, say, with Twitter when he had 80 million folks there. But keep in mind, even though True Social doesn't have a big audience like Twitter, every time he posts something on True Social, every fucking media outlet broadcast it. So he's still getting the information out to the same number of people. He's just not doing it directly on Twitter. But the important thing to remember is when Donald Trump speaks on True Social or back when he was on Twitter, funny, he always implicates himself. He makes it worse for himself. Now, Facebook and Twitter and the like worked well with him in 2016 and maybe to a certain extent in 2020. But those were different times. Donald Trump isn't as strong as he was back then. His following isn't as big as it was back then. He's a sinking ship at this point. So him being on these platforms won't have nearly the impact that they had in 2016 through 2020. They just won't. In fact, if it does anything, it's probably going to make it worse for Donald Trump. The last thing Donald Trump needs to do is talk more, and he can't help himself but talk more. I mean, that's just who he is. I'll give you a perfect example. We were talking about this with Ed, Ed, I think. You know about this lawsuit that E. Jean Carroll has against Donald Trump. She claimed that Donald Trump raped her in a department store in New York. Now, Donald Trump always denied this because that's what Donald Trump does. He denies everything. He distracts. He diverts. He denies. He delays. Those are all the D's that he does. And so... One of his defenses about this defamation suit against, uh, uh, brought by E. Jean Carroll against Donald Trump, he said, well, you can't sue me because I said that when I was president and everything I say when I was president, total exoneration, <laughs> which is not true and it's not even a good defense. But he even fucked up his own defense because as things were going along, he repeated exactly what he said and was getting sued for by E. Jean Carroll in a true social post. The only difference is that when he did that, he was no longer president of the United States, so his whole defense was thrown out the fucking window. And Donald Trump didn't even realize he was fucking himself. Again, the defense he had wasn't going to work, but it's the only one he thought he had, and he was willing to throw it away without even thinking by committing the same defamation in a true social post after he was no longer president. Fucking dumb as shit. This is what Donald Trump does. Another thing he did with the E. Jean Carroll thing is kind of interesting. He always said he didn't do it. But then from time to time, he brings some things in that suggest he knows he did it. Like he suggested that she liked it. Yeah, I'm sure she loved being raped. But he said that. He also said it happened a long time ago. The statute, 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 what am I trying to say? The statute of limitations has run out. Well, Donnie, if you didn't do it, what did the statute of limitations have to do with anything? See, now he's given some insight that, well, yeah, maybe I did it, but it was a long time ago, so it doesn't count. And that's how Donnie does things. And I have a feeling the reason he's kind of backing off from it and saying, well, maybe I did it, but it was a long time ago, or I didn't mean it, or whatever, 
is because of this DNA thing. This DNA thing is probably going to happen. She has DNA from the day this occurred and been wanting Donald Trump to supply DNA. And of course, he's pushed back on it. Although that story is starting to change and we'll talk about it in a moment. Um, But he knows that it'll match. And now he's got to change his story a little bit. Uh, And and so we'll see what happens. Now, over on True Social, he has refused to let go of the idea that the 2020 election was stolen from him despite the lack of evidence and uses the platform to make grandiose claims and share fan art of himself. Um, Whether he'll be able to get away with that on Facebook now, I'm not sure. He may. But all of this is kind of like the the, uh, boy who cried wolf. You might believe them the first few times, but after a while, it just becomes fucking ridiculous and it's just not working anymore. For those of you that are concerned about him getting back on Facebook or Twitter, for that matter, thinking that it all start over like it did in 2016 through 2020, don't. The only thing it's going to do is hurt Donald Trump. He doesn't have the groundswell that he had back in those days. His support is tapering off. His money situation is becoming weaker. The Republicans would just soon as he he goes off and dies someplace. That was a story that some people will support Trump in the public and then go behind and say, I just wish this guy would die. They actually say that. And I, I understand that point of view. I don't understand being um being a sycophant and in public saying you love the guy and then behind closed doors saying you hate the guy. That doesn't strike me as somebody you can trust. All right, we were talking about Eugene Carroll. Now, Donald Trump now says he'll provide a DNA sample to defend himself against rape claim by Eugene Carroll, but legal experts are a little dubious the offer is genuine. You remember Donald Trump says, sure, I'll absolutely testify in front of the J6 committee. I can't wait to do it. Then, of course, he said, no, I'm not going to do it. My lawyers say I shouldn't do it. And that was a smart move on Donald Trump's part because he cannot tell the truth and he would end up perjuring himself. But now he's saying um, he's saying that uh, um, He's willing to provide a DNA sample to defend himself. I don't know if you've seen E. Jean Carroll being interviewed, but she's pretty credible. I believe her. I believe the woman in this case. There's no question it happened. It sounds like Donald Trump. Donald Trump is behaving like he's a criminal, that he's guilty of this. So I believe her. There is no question in my mind. So why would he say, I'm going to give you the DNA? I I can just imagine, (laughs) I can just imagine uh, um, him saying, "Uh, Alex Jones or Roger Stone, you guys come in here. I just need a couple of mouse swabs and then turn in their DNA just to hang them out to fucking dry. But there probably is some game to this. Donald Trump just doesn't offer things up without a fight. The advice columnist still has a black coat dress that she claims she was wearing during the alleged sexual assault in the mid-90s, which could still have DNA evidence. And Trump finally agreed last week that he would, at some point, allow his lawyer to collect a sample for comparison uh, that was reported on the Daily Beast. Now, he says he's going to do it, but we know Donald Trump is a pathological liar, so the likelihood of him actually doing it without being forced is probably pretty slim. And is there some other game to this? I jokingly said that he'd get DNA from somebody else, but that's just stupid enough for Donald Trump to consider. I can just see it now. Um, it sounds like a continuation of the dilatory tactics that Trump uses all the time, said Albert Schur, a University of New Hampshire law school professor and a leading expert on forensic DNA evidence. As a general rule, Trump's lawyers in every venue have the strong propensity to delay and delay and muck things up. 
Well, that's absolutely true. That's what they do. That's the only strategy they have. It's the only strategy you can possibly have when you're guilty. If you know you're guilty, you got to do something to delay or create chaos or a distraction of some sort, and that's probably what this is. A source told the website that Trump's team hasn't yet made the offer to Carroll's attorneys, and legal experts suspect it's not genuine because the deadline for opposing sides to exchange evidence has already passed. But now his lawyers can tell jurors that the DNA was offered but not tested. So again, it's a, it's, it's a fucking game. It's a delay tactic or a way to say, well, I offered, you know, after the fact, and they never collected it. You see what's going on here. There is no credibility with Donald Trump. Now, even if the former president sent his DNA to the lab for testing, the results wouldn't be admissible at trial unless the judge reopens discovery, which would delay the trial. And the U.S. District Judge Lewis Kaplan this week told Trump's lawyers the case was moving forward on schedule to a trial starting April 25th. So you see what he did. He delayed as long as he could, and then said, oh, yeah, I'll give you DNA, knowing that it would probably be not, not be admissible because it's past the date. Now, for my money, if a guy knowingly did this, there should be some ramifications for that. He should be accountable for it. But will he? Doubt it. This is a civil case. This is not a criminal case. It's about money in the end. It's the only option E. Jean Carroll has now, and she has to expose Donald Trump for who he is, use the evidence she has, and hopefully win the case and take his fucking money. And not only take his money, but take his pride, too, because he's going to have to own up to the fact he won't, but he'll need to own up to the fact that he is a rapist. What's going on now behind the scenes is that each side is seeing how to posture themselves to take advantage of this, Sure said. It was convenient for Carroll's side to stop asking for his DNA, and Trump's lawyers may be playing a game, too. Well, you can bet that that's the case. The fuck else would you expect out of Donald Trump? A fucking game. Well, you know, when Joe Biden gave the State of the Union, the Republicans chose somebody to give the response for the Republican Party. And usually that's a hot up-and-coming politician that we're going to see big things from. In this particular case, it happened to be newly elected Governor Sarah Huckabee of Arkansas. She had the response to President Joe Biden's State of the Union address. Now, you know, Saunders, uh, she, she served at Trump's White House press secretary. She delivered a rebuttal to the president's speech that largely focused on Republican culture war issues and accused Biden of surrendering his pre- presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. Absolutely ridiculous. Sarah Huckabee did nothing but lie when she was the press secretary. She carried Donald Trump's water. She was a sycophant. She lied to the American people on a regular basis. And they pick her to give the rebuttal to Joe Biden's speech. I wonder if she wasn't just a sacrificial lamb. Maybe they had some idea that Joe Biden would uh, hit a home run like he did during the State of the Union address. And they didn't want somebody who had a future going up against it because they could look nothing but stupid. And she did. She said most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace, but we're under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. Oh, really? You're about freedom, except for women having autonomy over their body and be able to make cho- make choices about their medical situations. You want freedom, but you want to take that freedom. Every day we are told that we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols, all while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is, your freedom of speech. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one, Sarah. 
That's not normal. It's crazy and it's wrong, Sanders said, later adding that the dividing line in America is no longer between the right and the left. It's between normal and crazy. And I will agree with you there. Unfortunately, we disagree on who, in fact, is crazy. She's suggesting that liberals are crazy. And when, in fact, it's the MAGA fucks, like herself, that are the crazy ones. They are the crazy ones, but they don't recognize that. Everybody else in the world is crazy, and they're perfectly sane, which is absolutely ridiculous. Now, here's the interesting thing. You remember Steve Bannon. Talk about crazy fucks. He watched the speech that Sarah Sanders gave, and he lit into her on his War Room podcast on Wednesday. Now, I don't know when this motherfucker's going to jail, but he's going to jail. I wish they'd just send him there and shut his ass down. But Bannon criticized her for failing to mention Trump's name. It was an insult to President Trump. She does not exist politically if it was not for President Trump, he said. Bannon called Sanders' speech terrible. If you're going to give a counter speech, you got to talk about important issues, he said. Don't get me wrong. The wokeism is very important, but it's not quite the heart of the matter right now. He goes on to say, she is not, and the reason she's not, she's not intellectually capable of going to the heart of the matter, right? Let's be blunt. Bannon made the comments while speaking to longtime Trump Booster Lou Dobbs, who at one time was a decent newsman, but uh, he went to shit as soon as um, Donald Trump came into office and he bought into the bullshit. Dobbs said the speech was a great insult to Trump, mainly because that's what Bannon said, because he's a sycophant, complaining that Sanders did not even mention his name when he she discussed going on Christmas visit to Iraq with the former president and the first lady. We knew who she was talking about. Why did she have to say his name? It looked like the Governor's Association had written that speech and aligned themselves with Ron DeSantis. It was a shame, Dobbs complained. You're right. This was like written by Ron DeSantis and the entire RGA, Bannon agreed. Saunders also drew criticism from her hometown newspaper over her snarling about wokeness and the radical left. That's how she's going to want to play it? Well, the fact of the the matter is is she's going to end up paying the price for this. How she won the governorship in Arkansas, I'm not sure. It says a lot about the people who are voting for governor down in Arkansas. I mean, she's like Donald Trump with one-tenth the power. But I guess they thought they would have a thin but direct connection to Donald Trump, and that was important to them. God knows why. Now, these annual canned rebuttals usually come off as tone deaf. She wrote in an, uh, this, this uh, Amanda Carpenter wrote in an editorial at the Bulwark. But with Sanders, there's an additional unexpected contrast with Biden. She spoke for a dreary 15 minutes, all scripted according to a teleprompter with no audience. Biden spoke for more than an hour with a teleprompter in front of plenty of hostile Republicans. Biden, 80 years old, uh, rolled with it, tackling every tough subject on his agenda, inviting Republicans to join him in every turn. Saunders, 40 years old, droned on her entire speech devoted to demonizing Joe Biden. Yeah, there is no comparison between the two. Sarah Huckabee, Sarah Sanders Huckabee, or whatever the fuck her name is, um, she failed miserably in that speech, and even her own Republican cronies are suggesting that. You have to wonder why the Republicans chose her as the one to give the rebuttal. Usually it's somebody stronger, somebody with a future, and I can guarantee you, other than being governor of the state of Arkansas, she doesn't have much of a future unless these crazy fucks in Arkansas make her a senator someday, and I find that hard to imagine. So let's talk about some of the hearings that are going on in Washington, D.C., especially the ones um, held by 
by Jim Jordan. Democratic Representative Jamie Raskin served as a hearing witness for his party on Thursday before the House subcommittee targeting the so-called weaponization of the federal government. Raskin used his time in front of the cameras to ridicule the committee's purpose and declared the committee's name to be comically ironic. Weaponization is the right name for this federal subcommittee, not because weaponization of the government is targeted, but because weaponization of government is its purpose, Raskin said. The odd name for the, of the weaponization subcommittee constitutes a case of pure psychological projection, he added. Now, this was an interesting take that he had, and I'm sure it wasn't accepted very well by the Republicans, but it, it was a good point. Now, later in his remarks, Raskin took aim at special counsel John Durham and his investigation. Now, you remember him. He's the one that the Republicans said, oh, he's going to find out all the dirt on Joe Biden. Donald Trump will be back in office. Just you wait, like they always say. Just you wait. Then nothing fucking happens. And, of course, Durham found nothing, no dirt on Joe Biden. But at the same point, we're now finding out that he did find some dirt about crimes committed by Donald Trump. But what did he do with that? He and Uh, Attorney General William Barr tried to cover it up, and there is a problem. It's interesting to find out how much Bill Barr was involved in this situation. And I like hearing this because it seems like Bill Barr stepped away from the, uh, the, the Trump faction and was trying to rehabilitate himself, trying to clean himself up, and he was almost getting there. But um, but this all fell in his lap, this Durham thing and all these new revelations that came out. And that stink is still solidly on William Barr. Barr was recently revealed to have applied pressure on four-year-long investigation to reveal the flaws in the federal government investigating into the Trump-Russia collusion and vindicate then-President Donald Trump. And that's exactly what they did. The Mueller report came out. They said uh, that Donald Trump um, committed at least 10 occasions of of obstruction of justice, but they didn't um, indict him because he was president. And according to a memo, you can indict sitting presidents. But Donald Trump and William Barr made it look like that that Mueller report was basically a vindication or an exoneration of Donald Trump, which is not what it was. Anybody who read the Mueller report knew that. But knowing that most people wouldn't read it, they just kept throwing that into the narrative until fucking people believe it. And, of course, a certain number of people in this country do believe that Donald Trump was exonerated by the Mueller report. So just to top it off, they decided to do an investigation on what happened in the Mueller report to show it was just an attack on Donald Trump and not legitimate. Well, John Durham found nothing other than some crimes that Donald Trump committed, and it's been a big joke. And so Jamie Raskin makes a good point. If there ever is an example of weaponizing government, it would have been that John Durham case. They were trying to discount or discredit the Mueller report, and that is absolutely a weaponization of government. Jamie Raskin went on to say, consider the John Durham investigation. At the urging of Republicans, including the good chairman, the John Durham special counsel investigation was set up in 2019 by Barr to try to find wrongdoing by intelligence or law enforcement agencies in the origins of the Mueller investigation. And we've heard some of the murmurings about this today, Raskin began, adding, after four years and millions of dollars spent, the Durham investigation closed as a total flop without unearthing anything like the deep state conspiracy that Republicans have been denouncing around for years. It couldn't find anything of substance to it, yet Barr and Durham kept pressing in clearly abusive ways. Sounds a lot like Benghazi, doesn't it? 
I hope your subcommittee will investigate. One former DOJ prosecutor, Robert Luskin, a defense lawyer who represented two witnesses before the Durham probe, told the New York Times he was shocked. This stuff had my head spinning, he said. What did these guys, when did these guys drink the Kool-Aid and who served it to them? Amazingly, when the prosecutors participating in the wild goose chase actually came into possession of evidence of a real offense from Italian government officials of a potentially major financial crime committed by Donald Trump. Durham was suddenly deputized to investigate it, and the whole investigation mysteriously disappeared without a trace. The cover-up. Trump's enablers now want this subcommittee not to examine the Durham, the Durham debacle. It is a case study in a dangerous weaponization of the justice's function, but rather to pick up the baton from the defeated and demoralized Durham team and keep the wild goose chase going on. And that's exactly it. And that's how bold these people are. They fail And they keep pushing that same failure as if it's going to change or people are going to believe them. They keep failing. They keep coming up short in all their investigations. Benghazi, the Durham investigation. And I can name many others. And so what do they do? They decide, well, we're going to have more investigations. Those didn't go well, but we're bound to get some to stick against the wall, huh? Well, I doubt it. I fucking highly doubt it. Nothing is going to stick to the wall because everything the Republicans are doing is, frankly, bullshit. It's absolutely bullshit. And that's the thing that should be investigated by this weaponization of government committee because that is the essence of weaponization of our government. One happy note The man who marched around the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, you remember him, he was waving a Confederate battle flag that he also used to threaten a black police officer, was sentenced Thursday to three years behind bars. His name is Kevin Seafried. Seafried. Uh, he's 53 years old. He teared up, actually more than teared up. He actually bawled his eyes out like a pussy-ass bitch, to steal Chrissy Teigen's term, um, before the U.S. District Judge Trevor McFadden in Washington, D.C.'s courtroom. The judge told him that bringing the flag into one of our nation's most sacred halls was outrageous. <laughs> now, Seafried said... I never wanted to send a message of hate. Oh, really, motherfucker? You broke into the building. You shit and pissed on the floors. You threatened to kill Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi. But you didn't want to send a message of hate. Well, I beg to differ. You did bring all kinds of hate into the situation. And now you're paying the price. Three years in jail. You thought you were a hotshot. You thought you were a hero. But in the end, we all knew this was going to happen. But somehow, you're too stupid to know. So just based on your stupidity, you should go to fucking jail. And you are. Three years. The Delaware man breached the Capitol alongside his son. He brought his son, Hunter Seafried who was actually sentenced in October to two years in prison. Both had been found guilty last June of charges, including obstruction of an official proceeding, which is a pretty illegal thing. There were photographs of the elder Seafried with his flag shocked many Americans in the aftermath of the attack on Congress. The optics there, uh, seeing a Confederate flag in our U.S. Capitol in 2021, was in fact shocking. The pro-slavery symbol had never been openly flown in the Capitol in the nation's history. At one point, Seafried had used the flag as a weapon against Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman, who faced off against the mob. You remember Eugene. He was the cop that drew the insurrectionists away from members of Congress. He is a true hero. Goodman testified in court that Seafried tried to push him away by jabbing the flagpole toward him. He was saying things like, fuck you, I'm not leaving. Where are the members at? Where are they counting the votes? 
Goodman said, according to CNN. Supporters of then-President Donald Trump had been incited to storm the Capitol to disrupt the official counting of the 2020 Electoral College votes by both houses of Congress before the inauguration of Joe Biden. Now, Seafried's lawyer stated in court that as a high school dropout... Okay, I see what they're doing. As a high school dropout, um, he maybe wasn't smart enough to understand what was really going on. Yeah, I'm sure that was it. The guy's too stupid. Well, I would suggest this. I know he's not very smart. Oh, and, and they also said he came from an abusive household. Oh, no, we should feel sorry for Seafried. He was not aware of the hateful message the flag sent. Well, what do they say? Ignorance is not a defense of a crime. (laughs) The lawyer went on to say he was taught that the flag was a symbol of an idealized view of the Southern life and Southern heritage, the attorneys wrote, lacking an education beyond the ninth grade and lacking even average intellectual capacity. Mr. Seafried did not appreciate the complex and for many painful history behind the Confederates' battle flag. The FBI did not find any evidence that either Seafried or his son were affiliated with the far-right extremist groups. Uh, Seafried's attorney noted that amid the fallout over his participation in the Capitol attack, his wife left him. Okay, he's not a bright man. He didn't graduate ninth grade. He didn't understand what the flag meant. He didn't want to bring any hate here. He didn't want to be hateful. Yet, to the Capitol Police officer, he said, fuck you, I'm not leaving. Where are the members at? Where are they counting the votes? That sounds a little hateful to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm too sensitive. (laughs) No, we know that's not the issue. Mike's not too sensitive. But this is how they do it. They're all tough. They're heroes. They're patriots. They're tough guys until they have to be accountable. And this Seafried and his son were accountable. Son's in jail for two years. He's in jail for three years. He was bawling his eyes out like a pussy-ass bitch. And now he's going to prison. And just to top it off, his wife left him. So let's feel sorry for this guy. Cut him a break. Nope. The judge didn't cut him a break. They're putting him in jail where he fucking belongs. And he may be stupid, but I guarantee you this, that motherfucker learned a lesson this time, and he will never forget it. He will never crash into the Capitol and uh, threaten to kill the vice president or the Speaker of the House. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.